0: I think I've said this on every single podcast episode, I'm absolutely floored at how the algorithm puts people in my feed that are just absolutely fascinating. So thank you for this connection through the power of social media. Um, Because I think you, you there's a story of transformation somewhere. I know we don't know each other well enough for me to know that. But I was really hoping the podcast episode would pull out the the lessons in, uh, lessons in and of leadership that you have experienced that have allowed you to transform in several sectors of your life. So that's, that's the theme. This is your story, your show. Uh, I'd love to know your origin story. And before I say that, I know part of your origin story is actually from the Pacific Northwest. And I heard you say in an Instagram reel at one point, the word Whistler. So I was, I was, um, I went to the 2010 Winter Olympics in Whistler as a volunteer from the U.S. on the anti-doping team. Really, I got to live in Whistler for 33 days in the most beautiful condominium overlooking a lake. It was just stunning. So when you said Whistler, I'm like, see, I knew I had a connection to. Of course, 2010.
1: Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. That. Yeah. I haven't been in a minute, but, uh, it's the best place to, for sure to be like, um, literally just ski down into a little town, like <laughs> the right time of year. Yeah. You know I mean, cause it's just like, it's perfectly set up so you can just come right down the mountain into a town, which is just such a weird commodity that I think a lot of people haven't experienced. <laughs> so yeah. I, that is that um, my black part. Blackstone black, black something mm-hmm. mountain? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's been all oh, it's been a minute since I've been back up there but I think I think that's right. <clears throat> okay. But I don't want to in case anyone from Whistler is like <laughs> no. I don't want to say, say for sure. <laughs> I think well, I know so. there's a black, in there, right. there, there's yeah, yeah, black yeah. in there somewhere. There there's a black in there somewhere. Awesome. Right,
0: right. Well, look, I uh, I'd love to know to know your story. I know we we chatted briefly before we talked a lot of stuff just on an introductory call from from music to fitness, you name it. We covered we covered a mm-hmm. lot, but um there's an origin story i'd love to know how you came okay.
1: to be who you are today totally um first things first how how are my audio levels
0: audio <laughs> levels are
1: phenomenal okay <laughs> yeah, good. that's a good microphone. Sure. good okay i want to make sure i'm not going to be blowing anyone out the wazoo vocally okay <laughs> important important so origin story um yeah so i'm actually it's funny because I've actually just had a conversation in person with someone recently about, I get to kind of switch it up every time (laughs) Uh, I tell about where I'm from, where I've been, all that, because it is a little different. So now I can just explain it all. I'm from Fort Worth, Texas, originally. Born and raised. um, However, at that crux, that fundamental switch into teen years is when we moved to the Pacific Northwest. And so it's kind of like, are you really from the place you were a little kid the whole time? Or or are you really from where you spent all those teen years? You know what I mean? Sure. Um, and so depending on who I'm talking to, <laughs> like, where are you from? Uh, especially down here, because I'm back in the South now. So it's like, not everyone wants to necessarily hear that you are a part of the population problem coming from the West coast. So, <laughs> like, oh, don't worry guys. I'm from Texas. I'm from Texas. I'm just right. You're down always there, you know? safe with that answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but so it is funny because I have that. I mean, it's not the biggest cultural difference, I suppose, but to an extent, um, And being like a little kid, you still remember stuff. And then so going to the upper corner, upper uh, northwest corner of the U.S. and being there for your teen years, it is uh, a different experience, you know, Um, both pros and cons to all sides of the the coin, you know. Um, So I but anyways, I was there all through high school, all through um, college, and I we loved it up there me and uh sorry i should say that's a big part of my original story met my wife <laughs> so I'll, I'll never ever regret moving there as a teen uh because i met my middle school sweetheart up there actually nice. 11 11 years old when i met her um and we got married and lived there for um pretty much the first five years of our marriage um well i did school uh and she worked and we eventually, uh, became kind of entrepreneurial business owners. And so th- those who don't know about the Pacific Northwest, you might know, because even just going through Whistler, um, coffee culture goes hard in the Pacific Northwest. Absolutely, so It's a huge thing. Um, it's funny telling everyone that again, down here back in, uh, Tennessee now where I'm at now, um. The whole concept specifically of a drive-through coffee stand is a huge thing up there. Kind of like how you see a Smoothie King, right? Or a, um, like I've seen a lot of juice stands around here. Where yeah, just I was going like,
0: to say a drive-through daiquiri parlor that we have here in Louisiana.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So something just a little tiny building with uh, two windows that you can drive up on either side. They're everywhere in the Pacific Northwest with local coffee. That's like the thing up there, the staple. Um, so back in 2019, one in our area went for sale and we saw it literally on Facebook marketplace. And we're like, uh, what if we bought that? We're like, okay. And uh, <laughs> that's what happened. Incredible. <laughs> and, uh, but the best part about it is that's when 2020 happens <laughs> shortly after, right? Um, however, a huge blessing of that was one of the few things still allowed was, uh, um, wow. I can't think of that simple word take and go, right. Yeah. Like you can go, we can go into restaurants and take things home. And so technically we counted it as a drive through So we got to stay open. What a blessing. Um, and everybody wanted coffee and everybody wants their coffee. <laughs> yeah. This is correct. Um, uh, so that was a huge blessing and that led into opening in our local town, a brick and mortar, a walk-ins a shop. Um, and so we were doing that. We had the two locations. Um, and this is about 2022 now, probably the beginning, end of 2021. Um, where I was feeling very, I want to say miserable, but not where I should be. Um, And for no other apparent reason other than I was just at the crossroads of we could keep going down this road and we can stay in our local town and be here forever and keep, you know, being at it. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, But that is not the route I was um, feeling I wanted to go down. And talking with my wife, it really wasn't the one she wanted to go down either. Ultimately, um, or the other side of the coin was, well, what? What is the other side of the coin? What would we do other than this? Right. Um, and so I felt the pull. And a, as a, a Christian, it is the best thing to do to take the time to pray, of course. So um, spent a lot of time doing that and felt the call of moving to Nashville. And thought that was crazy. I told Naomi, is my wife's name, told her about it. And before I could even finish my sentence, she was like, "That's a great idea. Why don't we just move across the country?" <laughs> because she, uh, she's always wanted to move. Uh, literally anywhere. Uh, she's she has lived in the Pacific Northwest her entire life. So uh, she has always been like, "I'll go anywhere. Let's we can try anything," you know. Um. So before I even finish the sentence, like, "Yes, let's go. Let's move." Um, Then I got an opportunity last summer to come out and visit Nashville um, and see what it was like because I would never been or anything. Um, But I love music and all that. i was like, Music City, it's got to be cool. And it was. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was as simple as that. I literally, dude, I came home after like a few days of being out here and I told Naomi all about it. And then like three months later, October of last year, we moved out here. And um, never looked back, which is crazy to think about now. I can't believe it's already gone by. (laughs) Was that an
0: entrepreneurial pull? Did you have an opportunity waiting for you in Nashville? Or was it a leap of
1: faith? No, no, no. Complete leap of faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, those coffee shops I mentioned, we've sold. um, And it turned out, again, to be an awesome work of God because one of our dear friends that still lives back, back home, um, in Washington, it turned out to be the best move for him to take over at one of our coffee stands. Um, so that all worked out with his situation. Like it's just been a huge leap of faith. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, one of the, it's funny. Cause it's one of those things like you talk about like leadership and all that. It's always the, um, like at least the way I think about it is the crazier decision seems to be Always the leap of faith, right? But it's funny because when we read the stories or we read the Bible or just even fiction, like those are the moments that everyone wants to happen is the leap of faith. And then when it comes time for their leap of faith, what's the default is to think about, well, but logistically and logically, and actually, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you think, (laughs) dude, it's a leap of faith. That's the whole point. Yeah, but I there's so
0: it. much hesitation in in yeah. in men your age in particular. You're in an age bracket where I find there's more desire for safety, even though there is a a, a, a deep desire for something else. There is a wanting. Yeah. There's a a pull, a calling, whatever you want to say it. But I, I feel like people want more certainty right now rather than risk is yeah. is that generational from your perspective or is that the nature of the world today because of because of our experiences in 2020
1: That is a really great question um i've ha- I'd, I'd wager that 2020 has something to do with it um, whether directly or indirectly causing the real problem um which I believe to be um, at least just seeing around even just from like dumb memes and stuff that it's like everyone has to get experience and get a job but jobs don't hire you unless you have experience but you can't get experience without getting the job <laughs> and even when you do let's say you magically get it all then it's four thousand dollars a month for a one kit one kitchen bathroom room combo apartment <laughs> eight months in advance sure. and like yeah you know, i mean Um, And whether that's indirectly or directly completely involved with 2020, um, I'm sure there's some runoff runoff of it. I do know that a huge reason for neglecting calling and neglecting leaps of faith is fear. Right. And I do think that our generation is probably the most prone to to uh letting that fear not control them but definitely rethink the whole idea of taking bold risks um and i'm not even like calling anyone out like it makes sense right because it's like it's hard it's hard out here with all that because it is it's getting crazier with you know all the all the job stuff all the living stuff um i mean just even being out here in nashville it's like everything's so close by but it takes like an hour to get anywhere because there's just so many people. <laughs> and many cars. Yeah, that's right. And so, yeah, I, I'd say I I think a huge part of it, and it is it makes a lot of sense, of course, but I think a huge part of it is that why would I risk it all when I don't even have anything really to risk because I haven't even gotten anything because of the current situation. Like there's nothing to do except try my best to like, I don't want to say survive. It sounds um, a little too dramatic, but in a, in a sense sure. survive. Right. And um, I think, so I like my long winded answer just to get to, I think fear is becoming a more prominent issue uh, with our generation.
0: Yeah, I I think that's fair. I th- I definitely think fear is is one variable at play, and then the other one that that comes to mind, Newton, is uh, just from my my background in healthcare. We're all built. We're probably ninety nine percent all the same from a chemistry perspective, but that that one percent in our makeup creates different perspectives or lenses through which we see the world, right? And I know there are some people who know out of the womb what they want to be and do when they grow up, that it is just programmed, they're driven, hardwired, they just know. Or there's that high school student that flips the switch and they know they want to be a world-renowned neurosurgeon or Mm -hmm. the next country music artist you name it, they know. And then everything they do from that point forward is part of their their journey towards success. Mm. But then there's another group of people who don't have all the stones lined up that they need to walk on. Um, they're even questioning the next step. And I find that there's a tremendous amount of guilt in that group of people who feel like they should have it all figured out. When really oh, yeah. it's just a different biology, and it's it doesn't demand or require a label. It just is, right? No, there, totally. p- people are built differently. So that's where I find a lot of suffering right now, particularly in men your age, is is the guilt coming in uh, because there are societal expectations and environmental expectations of a man's performance at certain. Ages or stages of his life that at you know, 32, you need 2.3 kids, a a well-paying <laughs> six-figure job in the white picket fence house, you know, just like your parents had or your grandparents, you right. know. So I think that helps shape some of the guilt. So I I hear fear, I see guilt. Um, right. what are your perspectives on that?
1: So yeah, it's so I and it's so interesting you say that because the second you say that, I start. I have like specific people in mind that absolutely are in that realm. Um, Like right now I've, I've had some friends come out and visit and it's, it's very true. Like there's nothing wrong with it, but they're just like, man, I don't even know like what I'm supposed to be like going for. And like, they've changed it up every year. Like, let's try this. Let's try that. Um, And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I think, that they think (laughs) that there is Mm -hmm. something wrong with that based on exactly what you're saying. And I would almost see guilt and fear as a synonymous um, entity that are both taking place. Because I think there's the, especially, especially like you're saying with the generational and in the Christian world, there is of course, expectation of, well, at some point, you know, you gotta be the man that's providing and all that. Exactly. And so there's the, fear the guilt uh that's really just the pressure that's coming down on you like well if if this is the way it's been then this is the way it needs to be and i'm not conforming to that so i don't fit in right but the reality is like i don't know what on earth i'm wanting to do or what i'm supposed to do and i've tried this i didn't like that i tried this i didn't like that and um as someone who i think my 1% um hasn't always been exactly carved out either um i think there's always been a few things that i have like oh i think i think this is what i'm drawn to this is what i'm drawn to um i can relate to that a lot and i do think it's really just the pressure of others and social norms so to speak Mm -hmm. um however i do think those social norms are starting to change for better or worse because I think there are so many 20-something-year-olds that are all in the same boat and are being more open about it than they have been. Um, and I do think that's more so for the better than I would say for the worse because uh, I, this, is, this is crazy. Like, look outside. This is life. Like, you're supposed to have it all figured out. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with it at all. Um, but I do think a lot of them, um, my perspective is a lot of people um, find it hard when um oh i got it i got it. i love i heard this the other day i'm like oh that's perfect you're in a garden right and you're your own little fern but if you're your own little fern and you're looking around and all you see is sequoia trees then it's like well everyone's taller like everyone's doing so much better like i should be like i should be as big as them i should look Why exactly am I not like a tree that. Why yeah. am I? Yeah. What's going on? You know? And the reality is you're just a fern there's nothing wrong with that. Like just be your little fern self. There's nothing be wrong with at all. Be your exactly. best fern. Exactly. Be your best fern. Um, And that in a nutshell to me is not only the problem with so many things, but specifically this issue is that like, oh, well they have it figured out. And, and, and this person who has been my uncle who has the most successful business ever, he says that it's just, you choose something and go for it your whole life. Like, And it's like, oh, well, but that's, I'm my fern, right? (laughs) Yeah. But I think there's a huge problem of expectations of other people being like, well, I did it this way. This is the way it needs to be done. And look at me, look at me, look at me. And, you know, it's always a, a hard thing to overcome when you're just trying to figure it out. But there's all these people around you that are saying, well, there's not a whole lot of room to figure it out. Just pick one and go, you know? <laughs>
0: and, and that's and, the faith. That's the faith component yeah. that I, I don't know how all this is going to add up and what it's going to look like, but I have my desire. I have this image in my head of what I'm supposed to be. And boy, those trees look really, I want to be that tree when you're a fern. Um, so yeah. tell me about acceptance. When, At what point do you accept who you are and what you have to give in order to grow and be the best fern.
1: Yeah. Um. I mean, it's really the lesson that I believe I've been being taught the most in the past year um, is the whole idea of acceptance and the power of letting other people's thoughts, here we go, and opinions, <laughs> mm-hmm. letting that power um, take over is the biggest and best way you will ever waste your time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. That that was a good,
1: you, you had me at hooked. Yeah. I was like, what's yeah. he going to say here? That's brilliant. Uh, okay. Yes, because I mean, it steals because let's say you are someone that does know exactly what they want to do. Let's say you mentioned earlier, like the country music artist, right? Mm-hmm the second someone that you've grown up with all through middle school is like well dude i've known you since middle school like i don't think you could ever like do that like no offense like you're great or anything but you, like it takes this 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 xyz like you really think you're going to do that you don't think you have it takes like there's so many great art and then the second that one person says that and it festers all of a sudden 6 years go by and you've done nothing but nothing
0: <laughs> you've applied right? it to every aspect of your life
1: yeah. Well, I'm just, I, I can't because they said, yeah. exactly. Um, and that's just one example of one person and not to mention, I think all of us have tons of people and tons of comments rattling around in our head from years and years and years of, you know, being alive and being around people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. the second you unlock the power of not caring Um, Which sounds so simple and like every entrepreneurial, every motivational podcast, every speech you watch, that's what people are saying. Um, But you can hear it and that's one thing, but you take it to heart and live it and that's a complete other thing. And I was always the kind of happy-go-lucky carefree, like I don't care what anyone thinks. Um, I think any kind of a guy, like anyone from my high school and middle school would probably tell you that's the kind of guy that I am. Um, and just like confidence being a huge part of my character, um, to a lot of degrees, I think it seemed that way even to myself, but there's even me, there's those few things that just be like, Ooh, that's a touchy point. If you poke that, that's going to ruin everything. And if you get into that, then I'm going to spend the next eight years thinking about that comment and it's going to ruin everything of the one thing I actually do care about. Um all that to say it's like everyone really does care what other people think and the second you actually actually understand how to not care what people think changes the game completely and i say that because it appeared for a long time like i didn't care what anyone thought um probably mainly because i was trying to force myself not to care what people thought <laughs> however yeah. And the past year, I would say, is when it actually has come into fruition. Like, uh, like I don't care. And I'm going to do what I'm called to do. And if you see it, great. If you like it, great. If you see it and don't like it, even better. Because it's not going to change a thing. And um, that's
0: why they make chocolate and vanilla to each his own,
1: right? That's exactly right. Exactly right. And, um, I mean, the craziest stuff has, has happened since then. I mean, I'm getting to sit here and talk with freaking Dr. Edwin right now. <laughs> <laughs> and this is really all a product of me listening to the calling and not listening to anyone else. Um and that's led me to start my social media channels. That's led me to really hone in on music. That's led me to honestly move to Nashville. You know, there were of course people that were like, "Well, like, what are you doing? You've been here your whole life. Why would you go across the country? You don't know anyone over there.
0: <laughs> yeah, what's the plan? Tell us yeah, everything. Yeah,
1: what's the plan? I and now, know. I know, now I know so many people over here. So there you go. <laughs> right. And, so- and things are happening. And, and and um. really accepting in your heart this fact right here. And I want this to be the main takeaway because this is the main takeaway for me on this topic of not caring what people think. Um, best case scenario, you get to be 88 years old and thinking, gosh, I'm so happy I worked at the steel mill because I never had to hear about Johnny telling me I couldn't be a country music artist my whole life. I'm so glad he said that when I was 14 and I never had to hear it again because I just stayed at my hometown and worked at the steel mill my whole life. I'm, I'm so happy about that." Hmm. Or You're 88 years old and you've done everything you can to forget what Johnny said (laughs) and Mm -hmm. go for everything you actually wanted to go for. It's like, those are really the two alternatives here. And to me, that was a huge perspective shifter. It's like, so I could listen to what people say and then I live my life according to their merits of value. And is that what I want to look back on when I'm older and be so happy that I did everything their way? Is that what I'm is that what i wanting to acquire? Mm. Because in the moment, it feels like it's just pain. It's just pain I want to stop. So it's like, oh, okay, I don't want to hear you say that. That really hurts. So I'm just going to, sub- even subconsciously, just do what you're saying. But the reality is what's being written is the story I just planted. You're 88 years old. <laughs> you're looking back and yeah. you realize I've just dictated my whole life based on nothing I actually wanted to do. And that is a terrifying concept. And that I think is the good kind of fear that we don't have enough of that we need to be thinking about more often is what do you want to look back on, right? Hmm. Do I want to look back on me living my life because of what Johnny said? Or do I don't want to look back on, even if it's all failures, at least, at least they're my failures that I went for and tried regardless of what Johnny said. That's the kind of life that I want to look back on and live. And so I hope, hope that inspires someone. I'm I'm getting pumped up just hearing it again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, clearly 35 minutes in, that was the best message. Uh, We could end end the podcast right now and people would leave with their mouth open going, wow, that was it. That was the one thing I needed to take away, but I'm going to use the rest of the time because now you've got me insatiably curious. Yes, good. So I've done some work with my team and, and, and several teams with Patrick Lencioni's most recent publication, The Six Types of Working Genius, and mm. his his position is that when you look at the creation of success or, or look at any form of work, there are six stages to success in that work, um, and he uses the acronym WIDGET, W-I-D-G-E-T, so there's Wonder Starts It, so if we use it in the framework of music, for instance. I wonder if there's a song or a melody or a tune that I could write about fear. You know, that's the question that comes up in your mind. That's what the wonderer does. Mm. Then there's invention. So from the question comes all the possibilities. So yeah, it could be a song entitled Fear of Failure. It could be um, Leap of Faith. There are so many names to this song and oh, I could use these notes and that notes. You know, there's there's this invention stage. Then comes discernment where you look at the list of everything you've invented and and you discern what the best way forward is through a leap of faith most of the time. Right. right. And then you galvanize your creativity or the people around you to believe that song. Right. And the melody and the name. And then you look for um, that's discernment, galvanizing, enablement. you, you, you look at your knowledge, skills, and attitude, your creativity, and you you bring excitement um, and support to the project. And then the T is tenacity, where you put the the words to paper and the music to paper and you start playing the song, right? Mm. Those six stages of work are are what he believes are, are ubiquitous. No matter what we do, there are those six stages of work, and as people, We find joy and fulfillment in two of those. We find frustration in another two. And then we're pretty competent in the remaining two. So across this, yeah. Is
1: it different for everyone what those two are? It's different for everyone. So
0: it's not as much personality as it is productivity. When you find joy and fulfillment in certain stages of work, you find yourself really excited about work or really frustrated about work, mm. or if you stay in your competency area too long, you get burned out. So I, I, I think from the perspective of, of people who are questioning the path forward, I think the, the better question, in addition to what's just your next step instead of all the others, is look for the intersection and in where you find joy and fulfillment, because those are your working geniuses, and they're going to be different than everybody else. Right. For, for instance, I, I'm a I'm a WI. I love being up in the clouds thinking, asking questions and inventing. But man, pulling something through like a social media strategy or a book selling campaign or the, the nuts and bolts on the other end of the work process just are frustrating to me. I need to right. partner with somebody who has that genius. But man, I feel guilty sometimes that man, why can't I write a book as fast as, you know, Newton can, or why can't I write a song like Newton can? But that—that right. that is an error of attribution that your fulfillment, joy and success that you're having, mine has to look like that. And I know I can't write music mm-hmm. like you can, but man, God, why can't I do that? That's shame on me, but that's the wrong way. And I think a lot of people on this journey, I'll wrap this, in a bow to get your perspective is I think a lot of people are not self-aware enough to know that their uniqueness matters, not their similarity to everyone mm. else. And I, I say all that to say Newton, I think that's why you're captivating on social media and why I found you and asked you to come on this show is because your authenticity is what shines through your mm. creativity, your your joy and fulfillment that you're, you're experiencing and doing what you do through the leap of faith is received. And I'm like, ah, I want to know the story behind that, because I think that can help flip the switch for other people going, well, I don't have to write music to be successful. Mm. Right? Totally. I, I can just sing and it be okay. Or, mm. or, or I can design instruments or
1: no totally that's such I can a good point help
0: somebody be successful as a major artist they can be the tree the sequoia mm-hmm. but yeah. you know what they need my fern because i fertilize their feet right
1: <laughs> there we go so
0: anyway <laughs> that was a long story i'm curious if any of that resonates
1: that's per- well yeah um uh, well first of all could you send me that widget uh, acronym after this because that's a uh, that's awesome yeah, it's a great oh.
0: book. Patrick Lencioni, uh The Six Types of Working Genius. Actually, I'll send you a copy of the book. I have a copy. It's just oh, a,
1: my a great God. book. I like, appreciate that. Even just um, the, yeah, you really got me thinking because I, I love that idea of the two, like, yeah, the two things you're good at, the two things you're not so great at. Because um, I think for a long time, I'll take music, for example, because music is such a huge part. Like talking about the 1%. <clears throat> From a very early age, that was for sure my one percent. Like I knew I just loved music, wanted to do anything I could to do anything music related, essentially. Um, but in the past few years, like really honing in and messing with it, because there's so many sides of okay, well, like you're just saying, I I can be my songwriter self, but then I'm also trying to go for the production side of things, which is a whole other animal, and recording and everything not to mention all the countless instruments that you got to record. <laughs> not to mention then all of that more or less irrelevant the whole marketing side of everything. How do I get this out here? How do I get this to the right ears? How do I get this to any ears and how do I make sure it's on this platform, that platform. Um I'm trying to get on the Spotify algorithms. Like there's so many pieces to the puzzle that when you're just younger or don't or not even younger just you don't know all that it takes all you're thinking is i just want to be a music artist and all i think you're thinking about is probably two things oh my I song right and i play but the reality is there's all these other pieces of the puzzle and in trying to do all of them in the past few years um what you're saying really resonates with me because mm. i could easily pinpoint based on your um sectorization of all the stuff. I can easily be like, okay, I know exactly. It comes to mind songwriting um, and singing. Those are my jams. Love it. Love it. Love it. Production stuff. Nope. I need to, I need to send that to someone else. <laughs> that, that is someone else's talent that I can benefit from. Um, but I, what you're saying though is really resonating with me because for a while there, I think I would feel less than because it's mm-hmm. like, well, I think I need to be doing all of this. Um, and I'm,
0: uh, I'm not good enough yeah, because right? I can't do it all. And apparently they mm-hmm. can.
1: Yeah, yeah. It seems like they can't. And so that even, I mean, in so many ways, but since we're on the music side of things, I'm going to stick there. Moving to Nashville and meeting all these great artists and hearing them be so open about how, yeah, I just wrote the words to this. <laughs> or like yeah yeah this is just uh hear that hear that one guitar that's me yeah yeah, yeah. but then my name's on the song or like right. oh I, I spent like five grand to get this produced with this producer and then I sent to them to be mastered it like whoa you didn't you didn't do any of this yourself it's like no of course not like I wrote the thing and that was my role and like and just means so many people wherever they're at in the music spectrum just honing in on the one or two things has been such an eye opener of like, Hmm. Oh my goodness, this is normal. This is how it should be. And like their song sounds great because everyone that needed to do their part, including you did their part. (laughs) It wasn't one person trying to do all these things that they shouldn't be doing. And exactly like you're saying, like pinpointing on the passion. I think that is a super important lesson that so many people do need to um, hone in on. But the one question that came to my mind. I'm curious actually how you think about this um, based on the whole idea of pa- passion and the specificity of narrowing it down. Right. I think that's all great. Um, I do wonder though, and from your perspective, do you think regardless of how passionate you are about something um, spending eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, doing that thing, that the passion can remain, regardless of how pinpoint, how pinpointed you've narrowed it down, you're doing the, the one or two things you're great at that you love doing. Do you think doing it 40 hours a week, years on end, regardless of how passionate you were about it, is burnout inevitable?
0: Yeah, so OK, so let's use the gym as a metaphor. You're a gym guy. Let's say yes, you sir. go to the gym and you do the same chest sequence for 12 weeks. Straight. Every time you go to the gym, you might add a little weight. At some point, you're going to reach a what? Plateau. Yeah. And I think the what do you do in response to plateau? You've, you've yeah. got to rethink the way you've been doing stuff. I mm. think passion is no different because it is passions are seasons
1: Mm, so So you need
0: to spend some time with your passion but it is not to be exercised all the time or you will wear your passion out it will become a job if you will Mm, passions are 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 motivating and energizing you should dabble in those you should schedule those and and have experiences in those areas and it should, should be a a driver and a motivator for you. And yeah, if you're lucky enough, you get to do it 80 hours a week, um, every week fan fantastic. If you can handle that, Mm. but it'll probably burn out and you'll be looking for something else because it's not your purpose. Mm. Passions or seasons purpose purpose is much deeper and supported supported by season, so i think um putting an expectation that wow i want to do this my whole life i want to write music and sing my whole life Ooh, that that could burden burden your your passion and purpose a little bit Probably. why not just try it out and see how far it takes you how far the yeah. wind's blowing and then let me redirect my sail at a future date and i'm open to that
1: mm, that's so good I don't know. That's, that's my perception. I love that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think that's a great, a great way to look because that's uh, something that I've had a lot of friends we all talk about with me is like, that's the real problem is like, can is there anything you actually want to do eight hours a day every day? <laughs> and it's like when you get thinking about it, it's like yeah, doing anything eight hours a day for like yeah, yeah. I think exa- exactly how you're saying it is perfectly put. Like stop worrying about excuse me stop worrying about the tediousness and of i need to be doing this at all times like this is my passion like exactly let's see where it goes this is what i want to do i'm going to try it out and i can redirect my sale and shape it anyway um as as i need to i think that's a perfect perspective absolutely i mean i don't think
0: we have a right to be happy all the time and i think people also true might be attaching the emotion of happiness inappropriately to what joy and fulfillment is because Mm. if you look at look we're all trying to fight mediocrity we're all trying to be something better than we were yesterday or at least that's what we should be doing right growing continuing to adapt and, and model in this in this world if um Uh, how do how do i say if if we're if we're going to do that successfully we've got we've got to build the time in through flow flow is our most creative state of being right so when you're in a flow state you can create and produce and and do amazing things that's you know in the block of um how is flow described on the X, Y axis as effort and challenge, you know, flow is high effort, high challenge area. Um, Flow is to be instigated and you can plan for it in your calendar. Mm. So that's kind of purpose and passion. If you can build that into your weekly life where you can get those doses of joy and fulfillment, you can overcome the frustrating stuff that we all have to do. You can overcome the production issues that drive you nuts because you know you've blocked time for the frustration and you've blocked time for the joy and fulfillment. And you finally have balance in the force, if you will. Mm. I think if we're not, if we're not careful, we go through our week and we just find ourselves out of balance and no time for joy and fulfillment because of all this other stuff we have to do. So you're teeter tottered the wrong direction. And I find men are doing that more and more more, uh, Mm -hmm. because they, they, they don't know how flow works. They don't know the importance of, of scheduling joy and fulfillment, and they don't know the stages of work and where they fit authentically. Anyway, enough preaching perspective.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. I, I, you're, you're rattling my brain, bro. Rattling my brain (laughs) in all the best ways. Love it.
0: So man, It's already 50 minutes and we haven't even gotten to the rest of your story. So (laughs) so you're, you're clearly going to have to come back. Um, Uh, I I hope so. We need a serial series Newton, because we've only, we've only gotten through stages of work and purpose. And I want to talk spirituality. I want to talk fitness because I, I think there are intersections of all of these aspects that you're doing right now that, that point, to exactly what you're supposed to be doing, oh. but 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 through these there are transformations that have occurred, and I was wondering real quick if if you can talk about your spiritual transformation because I think that is where some curiosity in in your generation is on what what a spiritual journey how does mm-hmm. it even begin, and then you've had a physical transformation as well, and there are laws at play in everything I'm talking about that are the same there's a pattern here and I want to pull those out as we as we close the show
1: yeah um so for me uh I was born into a great Christian home um very blessed very blessed about that because I know so many people have a different circumstance different situation whatever that looks like um for me though awesome mom and dad shout out to them, Uh, (laughs) who raised me and my two sisters in the faith. And however, though, um, I do have the, I think the interesting perspective that I'm always drawn back to, at least now as I get older, is all these things that I've heard my entire life, right? Like all the biblical truths, um, all the biblical stories, things that you've been raised on looking back on them and trying to see them in a whole new light is an interesting premise. Um, And essentially becoming your own man and becoming your own uh, person of faith requires to some degree that you look back on all that stuff in a different light. And what I mean by that is being raised as a Christian and, and, I don't want to use air quotes, but believing as a kid is very different from Mm -hmm. when you actually make that first um, coming of age decision. Right. Like Mm -hmm. this is actually what I believe. This is my choice. Um, And then you read Jonah and the whale. (laughs) Right. And it's a story you've heard your whole life, but like trying to see it from the new perspective of like this isn't the story of me being a kid. This is actually what I believe, right? I believe this happened is extremely important. And I think really shapes the realm of, um, spirituality as a whole, or at least it should. Um, because what I'm getting at is I think, Oh, a place to start, right. You mentioned is absolutely research. Um, biblical research is huge finding, great pastors, great leaders in the faith is huge Um, because ultimately when you make that decision, um, the faith, it is faith, excuse me, but what is it grounded in, Mm -hmm. right? Like I, that's one of my favorite things ever is talking to people of all kinds of different faith. And well, this says this, and I have this, and you know, um, science says this, for example, right. Or the Quran says this, and it's no different than your Bible says this, and this is what you believe. I'm like, that's exactly right. That's, that's faith. <laughs> that's the whole point. Like I have this though, that it's grounded in. Um, And so I think the research of that is so important. And that's, I think the best place to start is read the Bible, just open it and read and read those key stories. And especially if you're someone like me who was raised in the faith and you you can't really, really even help it. It's just their childhood stories because they're childhood stories, right? But I think you need to read them from the perspective that you're now an adult and I actually believe this and I'm going to get what I need to get out of these stories as a believer that I couldn't get when I was just a kid. And these were the stories that I heard when I was a kid. And so I think the research is so important, right? Um, as a place to start in, in the, the spiritual journey. I think yeah, there's meaning in
0: context. There, there, there are mm-hmm. a lot of questions. I think when you open the Bible, it's okay to come with questions as you seek your answers, because the Bible is going to speak to you in your seasons of life a little bit differently. You're,
1: Absolutely, you're,
0: you're gonna you're gonna receive different things at different times in your life. So enter it from a from a place of curiosity rather than, well, it didn't tell me my answer.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Dude, like I just the other day, like I'm like I've read this chapter. I I have read this chapter, but I swear I've never read this chapter because it's like I, it's, I'm getting all this stuff that it's like I've never read this before, um, and that's what's so cool and so awesome. And but the thing you just have to start. And that is what you need to do. Um, and I say that because I think there's a lot of people that's like, ah, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to sit and read. Listen, that takes It work it takes work i don't even understand it all it's like no again the foundation is there the structure the rest comes with the faith just have the faith believe that god will speak and mm-hmm. just read just read guys <laughs> that's yeah, that's I really what that. it comes down to i love
0: that see what it says just yeah, see, see what, what it says to you because I, I love what you said that um scripture is pointing to something that's mm. that's foundational keep asking that question what is what is this pointing to because mm. beneath it all is a solid foundation so look for that in the stories it's not about a whale eating a man
1: yeah
0: it's it has nothing to do with that there's a deeper meaning behind the story of Joan and the whale, what, yeah. I, what is this trying to say? I think that's a better way to read the story rather than, Ooh, wow. How did a human stay in the mouth of a whale? What does the <laughs> science say about that? You, yeah. missing in the point.
1: <laughs> yeah. Missing the point a little bit. <laughs> cool. I love that. Thank you for, for that perspective.
0: I think we could have a multi-hour show on spirituality um, and we should. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that would be helpful. Um all right in the last few minutes that we have tell me how and why fitness has played a role in your life and what is that founded in that hmm. gives you the laws of transformation that that you've put into play and what do they mean to you
1: I love telling this story it's one of my favorite stories um I was 13 years old and I was roughhousing with my older sister as you do, <laughs> Um, am um, by roughhousing. I mean, I was trying to fight back and I got effortlessly pinned to the wall. <laughs> Destroyed. And I was pinned to the wall. My sister was just holding me there, making fun of me. And I was like, ah, 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 trying to escape. And I genuinely could not escape at 13 years old from the, from the clutches of my older sister. Shout out to my older sister. She has heard this story so many times. <laughs> And it was that day, I'll never forget, I look back, I was like, I cannot let this happen. I need to be strong. Um, And I asked my dad to go, <laughs> we got, went to Walmart got a, a pull-up bar that goes in the door frame, and like a 20 pound dumbbell. Um, and I just went crazy. I it. just watched every YouTube video ever that I could, Um, all at home workouts, how many push-ups I need to be doing, all that stuff. Um, and then a few months later, I, I had this like, I don't know, monthly ritual, I would say, where I'd be like, Conley, that's my older sister, Conley, come here and let's arm wrestle. (laughs) Like, let's see if I'm getting stronger. And then to alas, to no avail for a while, but eventually, eventually, and it changed the game. And, but the funny thing was, especially looking back at that now, that is so irrelevant because it did not stop there. I just kept going and going and going. It was the catalyst for me to fall in love with fitness. Um, and then mm-hmm. eventually go to a real gym and eventually, um, piqued my interest so much that I, I did actually, I got my degree in kinesiology, uh, exercise science, um, and multiple jobs through that and studies through that. Um, and I, I, I have been asked this question before. So It is a little rehearsed with the story and everything, but also my specifically, uh, biggest takeaway from fitness that I think everyone can benefit from at some level. It does not matter what you're doing. Go do your orange theory, go do your CrossFit, go just lift weights for an hour with some friends, go on a walk. That's fine. All more or less irrelevant. The best thing that comes from fitness is learning consistency. That is the biggest takeaway that everyone should learn because the second you have genuine consistency, and I think this is going to tie back into the passions. It doesn't matter how I feel that day. I'm going to the gym. It doesn't matter that, that this is going on in life right now and it really sucks. And uh, I deserve a, a pint of ice cream instead. No, I'm going to the gym because that is my daily routine. This is my consistent pattern. Um, And when you learn consistency and apply it, learn to apply it to everything else, life is changed. And like in my social media, talk about transformation, taking that same attribute just a little every day. It's just a little every day. There's no wrong or right way. Just be present a little every day. Uh, Be consistent even when you don't want to, because that's really real consistency is even when I don't want to, I'm going to do it even if it's a little bit every day. And I think that is one of the biggest game changers that anyone can learn is true consistency, true consistency.